Hello everyone, Douglas Rogers here again and welcome back to the 2023 Festival of Urbanism and City Road Podcast Book Club. Today, a little treat for you. I've got Jamie Peck talking with Gareth Bryant and Sophie Weber about their new book, Climate Finance, Taking a Position on Climate Futures. I'll hand over to Jamie. Okay, we're here today um, with uh, Sophie and Gareth to discuss their forthcoming book, uh, Climate Finance. This is going to be published by Agenda's Economic Transformation Series in the UK. And uh, just uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm a co-editor of that uh, series, along with Brett Christophers from Uppsala, uh, Marion Werner from Buffalo, New York, and Rebecca Lay from Indiana. And, and Sophie, when you uh, pitched this book to us, there were a couple of things that stood out. And maybe we could begin the discussion with uh, uh, from those starting off points. The first point you made was that climate finance um, isn't some separate specialist sphere, uh, but a terrain that's shaped by ongoing transformations of capitalism and the challenges associated with uh, the climate crisis. And the second point you made was that struggles on this terrain of climate finance then aren't just technical matters that are left for specialists alone, but are going to be absolutely critical both to climate futures and to whatever futures capitalism uh, may, may have. So maybe we can start then with each of you saying something about how you arrived at those arguments and uh, how you developed them uh, in the book. Yeah, that's a really excellent summary of what our book is about. <laughs> well, you wrote it yes. so in your proposal, so uh, <laughs> I took it to be fairly reliable. So, th- I mean, I guess that argument comes out of the collaboration between me and Gareth. Um, and so one of the things that we brought to this as co-authors is different um, different empirical understandings of where climate finance plays out. So p- part of the goal was bringing those two things into conversation in ways we think that hadn't previously happened. So part of the key goal of the book then is to take climate finance from this, as you said, this kind of separate almost fetishized um, world of climate politics, which is the kind of popular understanding of climate finance related to these flows associ- these flows of pu- generally public funding associated with the um, UNFCCC, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. So these public transfers of money, generally from the global north to the global south, um, often assumed to be going towards adaptation um, projects, although not, not that's increasingly not the case. And so that's the kind of popular understanding of climate finance. But we think that that was a really, is only a really limited sphere, only a, only a really small amount of the money that's kind of flowing around the world in the name of, of climate finance. And so we wanted to bring that conversation, those debates, which are largely focused on the kind of justice elements of those um, transfers of money. So so rich countries have have, have something owed to, to poor countries because of their contribution to climate change um, and the uneven vulnerabilities of climate change. So that is a kind of political debate about that climate finance, but doesn't necessarily understand it in relation to the existing financial system or these transformations in contemporary capitalism. So, so that was the goal was to try to bridge that climate finance world um, into more, so kind of my terrain, what I'm used to working on, more into Gout's terrain, what he's used to working on in terms of what he calls in his first book, this climate changing capitalism. Um, 
so that was, yeah, that's how what we set out. And in terms of how this idea developed, maybe Gareth can jump in and talk about that because that was his idea. Yeah, so we we try to do exactly what you say, Jamie, uh, in the sense that we want to build a fairly expansive definition of climate finance that foregrounds the simultaneous rise of financialized capitalism on one hand at the same time as scientific growing scientific consensus about climate change and think about how a kind of fairly volatile financial system is being coupled together and is co-producing futures with a fairly volatile or increasingly volatile climate. Um, and so our definition of climate finance that, that we come up with is trying to uh, look at all of the co-mingling of the different ideas, institutions and, and actors that are, that are reshaping that relationship between capitalism and climate change. And, and the central argument that we make is that climate finance is a window into those climate futures and we want to understand climate finance as both an indicator and a mediator of the political economy of climate change. So basically, as an indicator, we want to look at climate finance and, and see a reflection of climate politics and, and, and political struggle within those different um, iterations of climate finance. Um, but we also want to try and understand, you know, what is distinctive about the different ways that different kinds of climate, climate finance are actually producing, you know, the future trajectory of the economy in the context of climate change. Um, in terms of how we came up with that idea, we wanted to find a way of arguing that climate finance uh, is an important but not a kind of reified autonomous actor driving change. So that autonomous view of finance you get from people like Mark Carney, who was the former uh, governor of the Bank of England and is now um, heavily involved in all sorts of climate finance initiatives uh, globally, uh, as well as people like Larry Fink, the, the CEO of, of BlackRock. Um, and, you know, from, from that perspective, uh, all that is needed is to, to fill the gap between what is needed and what is currently being mobilised in terms of finance and finance will kind of uh, do the rest. Um, and, you know, in this sense, it's kind of like a depoliticized kind of argument. What we wanted to do was understand climate finance as a product of climate politics. Um, but we also, I think, wanted to push against a kind of common dismissal of finance in political economy, which sees finance as kind of largely illusory. Um, and instead, we wanted to kind of make the point that how climate finance is being mobilised is, you know, really matters for how things are unfolding. Well, well maybe if I can just follow up on that uh, a little bit. I mean, one of the things about um, about the power of finance is its ability to uh, to mystify its own activities. And, and obviously, it's a fantastically complex uh, field in many respects. Um, uh, maybe you could say a little bit about how uh, in the book, which is intended for to reach a wider audience and uh, and and non-specialist uh, readers, yeah, how, how were you able to do some of that uh, translation of the 
complexities of finance into um, you know, digestible arguments that, uh, that will be able to reach a, a wider readership? My own, this is not going to, this is, this is going to maybe sound like a, a roundabout way to get, get to uh, that answer, but my, my own, one of the things that influenced my thinking about the kind of conceptual apparatus of the book was a kind of unlikely source. It was, it came from uh, early and mid 20th century political economist, Joseph Schumpeter. Um, and I was reading his uh, essay from the early 20th century on public finance. And he basically makes this argument that that public finance uh, is both a kind of reflection of society. And by looking at public finance, you can see t- key turning points in, in history. Um, and I thought a kind of you could probably make a similar argument now about uh, climate finance, um, given the kind of convergence of, of capitalism and, and, and climate change. Um, and so that's the kind of that's that's the kind of methodological kind of thing that I had in mind. Um, but we also, like you say, wanted to you know make the book as accessible as possible, and that meant you know we didn't actually need to get into the weeds of arguments about you know the nature of Schumpeter and um, you know his limitations, including the way he saw public finance as a neutral thing, um, and so what we can't the, the way that we wanted to do something useful uh was to and this is really where you know sophie's geographical lens um has made such a useful contribution um to the collaboration is that we wanted to draw out patterns of difference in climate finance and that's where what we call these six positions on climate finance come from so we didn't just want to like, you know, do a chapter on green bonds and do a chapter on Green New Deal uh, and, and do a chapter on green central banking and have these as kind of standalone um, debates that people can kind of flick through and, and choose the kind of topic they were interested in. We wanted to be able to kind of understand patterns and, and produce a kind of useful kind of conceptual map for people to be able to kind of place all the different sorts of you know new instruments and new proposals and new markets that get constantly proposed um, and developed in in this space and actually kind of fit them into um, be able to make sense of them them politically and where they fit in and what sort of futures they're implying and so that's how we came up with this um, idea of these six positions on climate finance which we kind of hope that you know even as uh, the book gets older and new proposals in climate finance come up, that people will still be able to fit those um, and potentially renovate those positions as well, but, but, but use those positions to kind of navigate and make sense of them. Um, so, you know, we have these six positions, which are climate capital, climate risk, precision markets, speculative markets, big green states, and climate justice finance. And so we put we we um place within those uh different positions uh various different um iterations and examples and case studies of, of climate finance so um for example we put in green bonds with resilience infrastructure into climate capital uh we put green central banking which we were just talking about in with uh, state investment banks so looking at fiscal and monetary there in the big green states chapter 
Uh, we put um, green billionaires and off-grid solar, uh, microfinance entrepreneurs into speculative markets. So these are kind of examples of what might be understood as quite different things and we're trying to kind of draw out the common logics and, and interests that might be um, involved with them. Um, there was, we were fairly settled actually, I think, I was just gonna hand over to you, Sophie, because I think we were fairly settled in on these categories quite early on, but we didn't know what to call them. Um, and so the, we started off with orientations and that was kind of vetoed by Brett Christopher's, the, who's been the editor of the series that's handling the book. And then we had vantage points for a while. Uh, and then quite late in the piece, we settled on positions as a way of describing these things. And that's a, that's a term that Sophie kind of uh, came, came up with. So I thought maybe you could explain what we mean by that. Yeah. So I, th I think actually how we do that, like, um, I don't, I, yeah, it's a good question as to whether or not we kind of demystify the, all the technical details of, of finance. Um, but I think the way we do that is with this idea of positions. And so it's not that these 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 tools of of climate finance can be can be technical, but we want to draw out with this idea of positions what kind of financial position they're taking with respect to the opportunities and risks of climate change. So the idea of positions kind of came about um, as a play on um, the idea that finance takes a particular position on on the future, makes a bet on on the future, um, and that's how that. I guess that came about and we kind of play with the financial lingo um, on that um, a little bit in each of the chapters. But we also think that positions is a really geographical idea, like it it is trying to understand, um, like we, we think about these positions in a, in, a, in a geographical or analytical sense um, in terms of how um, they're positioned geographically in the world, where are the centres of these financial tools are, um, in an analytical sense, how they problematize climate change, um, how they then kind of invite particular kinds of um, solutions to that, um, and also that these each of these configurations take a political position. Um, so they're not technical tools. They have political outcomes as well as being reflective. And I think this is something that we could talk about a little bit more is one of the key goals of the book is to try to understand how this climate finance is not an automatic response to climate change. It's not a, a, a neutral response. It's a result of contestation um, at, or, or, or in climate politics itself. And so trying to understand um, climate finance as um, or these positions as, as being political. Um, so that's how we're kind of thinking of um, positions. Although various different readers of the book have told us that this matrix of six different positions with multiple different meanings is is too many, is <laughs> too many different things going on, too many different variables. Um, but we think that that idea gets at kind of how we yeah how we operationalize um, the technical bits of finance um, with the kind of argument, the conceptual argument that we're trying to make. And I think the other really important point about this is that this is a really like in in maybe in your in your words, um, Jamie, climate finance has a remarkable ability to fail forwards, um, and so these tools are constantly getting remade and 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 updated. And so you, 
it can be it could so quickly date um, in terms of the things that you're talking about. And we grappled with this a lot in the conclusion. We talk about this um, new development, but that, that bridges these worlds of of international climate politics and um, the kind of deep in the heart of um, capitalist finance. Um, but it's just a it's just the latest announcement, and and we don't know which of these ones are durable. Um, and so. Laying it out instead of having yeah a chapter on green bonds, which you might expect, um, we're we're sitting situating that in a kind of um, conceptual this conceptual idea of, of of how green bonds takes a particular position on on climate futures, um, so that you can hopefully it 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 maintains its relevance as these tools continually change. Well, that that idea of um, the multiple meanings of positions that maybe takes us into the. Next question I wanted to ask about, which is the fact that this is a the book's a collaboration between a political economist and a geographer, and uh, now we all know that these are fields that aren't strangers to one another. But um, I wonder if you could each say something about what you've learned from the other um, in working together and writing the book, um, both in terms of the fields and perspectives that you bring, uh, but maybe other things that came out in the uh, in the collaboration. Uh, well, firstly, I wanted to, I think it's important to note that this is a collaboration in an Australian rules football sense between a Geelong Cat supporter and a Sydney Swans supporter. Um, and as you know, Jamie, I think we were both messaging you during the 2022 grand final and Sophie's Cats absolutely rinsed my Swans. Um, Naturally. So we were able to... We were able to get through that. Um, <laughs> so the scholarly disagreements are fairly minor in comparison. Um, yeah, in terms of our actual project, um, we Sophie and I, we were introduced by by you, Jamie, when Sophie first came to Sydney. And um, so we were, we were kind of friends straight away and um, friends before we kind of became collaborators on this project and I think we wanted to to work together I certainly wanted to work with Sophie and then when Brett Christopher's suggested um to me that we that I do this book I thought it would be a perfect project for Sophie and I to work on partly for the disciplinary reasons that that you mentioned uh Jamie in the, in the sense that Sophie comes from that economic more squarely from economic geography and would really know I think one of the kind of core audiences that the book is reaching out to. Um, and also, you know, we had complementary research interests as well, where Sophie had done a lot of work on climate adaptation, whereas I'd done more in mitigation and decarbonisation. Um, maybe I have a bit more of a focus on the kind of core of global capitalism, whereas Sophie's done a lot of, you know, useful, excellent work on in the global south, um, although we both crossed over that as well. Um, yeah, in terms of how we work together, I mean, Sophie's amazing to work with. Uh, we, we, we made sure that we all did bits of each of the chapter, like we didn't split up chapters. We wanted to, um, have our, you know, voice in the draft, in the initial drafts of, of, um, bits of each of the chapter. And I think we've got a pretty good mix of, you know, letting the other person develop arguments within a kind of pretty strong a shared overall framing of what we want to do and that's partly necessary because of the nature of the book like it's supposed to be broad and we do cover a lot of ground which meant doing a lot of lot of reading 
Um, and I think we've, you know, also been pretty comfortable at telling each other when something doesn't really work in, in an aspect of the book. Um, in terms of writing, Sophie, Sophie thinks her writing isn't concise, um, but in fact, you know, she's actually a really concise writer and has this really amazing ability to uh, get to the main point and really draw out the main point. Um, she also writes with lots of flair, which is useful. So, so many of the, the, the favourite, my favourite terms of phrase in the book. So, you know, we open with this discussion of this idea of gap talk, which comes from Sophie, uh, the term big green states. Uh, I know Sophie had originally said that and as even positions, which has become the kind of core conceptual apparatus, that, that was initially Sophie's idea too. Um, uh, getting to the disciplinary side of things, Sophie, um, rain, she's, she does rein me in when I write multiple paragraphs about the history of economic thought and how, uh, you know, these obscure, like, um, economists uh, that somehow have their fingerprints on, you know, what is, what is coming out of um, the mouth of the, the CEO of BlackRock in 2022 um that's just sort of the way I think about things and then they you know they really aren't necessary for anyone else to read so um Sophie's useful for, <laughs> for uh for that um I haven't really felt disciplinary differences too acutely I think partly because I come from political economy uh we do need to in orient towards other and this might sound funny, you know, for geographers who often emphasise to me how institutionally fragile they are, but coming from political economy, you know, geography seems much more institutionally established. Um, and so, you know, that has always appealed to me as, as um, a, a disciplinary kind of audience. So I do wonder if um, maybe Sophie might be able to talk about whether um, whether that disciplinary difference is more acute coming from economic geography or geography and um you know writing um to political economy because we i think we do have slightly different readers in mind sometimes and as we edit, have edited the book i think um i i think we're probably both aware of you know how a, what a heterodox economist or a political economist would want to see or or, or re, what would resonate with them and what a geographer reader would resonate um with them um yeah, the other thing, maybe one final point to make before I pass over, because I'm interested in what Sophie has to say, is uh, that the nature of this book as a kind of critical introduction means we don't have a lot of explicit, like, big T theory. Um, uh, you know, we don't, like, start off with a, you know, big um, discussion about, you know, value theory and what's the what the debates about value theory in, uh, in relation to the environment and fossil fuels and those sort of things. So some of the um, kind of methodological and conceptual underpinnings, the analysis, which are obviously there uh, and might even be it, we might be drawing in an eclectic way on um, some concepts that uh, might not gel super well together. They can be a little bit um, implicit, I think, in a book like this, which uh, I'm interested to, to see, you know, what people read into that once the book's out into the world. Yeah, I think um, it's was. I mean, it's, some of these arguments play out in citations. I think, like how are each of our citation practices, and so Gareth always has the like original citation from from I don't know from Keynes to whoever. Um, 
and I only I basically just want to cite my friends, um, and <laughs> which I think is a kind of interesting reflection on on the durability of political economic ideas. Um, in political economy versus the real presentism of, of geography as a discipline. And I think getting that balance right is actually really productive. Um, and I, but, but depends on, on the kind of strength of the collaboration, which I'll touch on in a second. But I think that the like in disciplinary terms, like we, we both have similar, similar, um, conceptual groundings Gareth is talking about um, and similar political commitments um, and I think a similar willingness to hold those political commitments strong while also engaging with climate finance on its own terms um, and so I think that's the that's the thing that has grounded the book and has made it possible for us to do this collaboration but it's interesting I think that Gareth is talking about his um, his engagement with the history of economic ideas and tracing these ideas back th through time. Um, whereas I think a, a geographical approach is always interested in how these ideas play out in place and the kind of contingencies and, and contextual um, uh, nature of, of, of what then happens to these ideas as they, as they live and grow in the world. And, and I think that, that having both of those things present I think makes for a stronger argument. It kind of draws from the strengths of both of the disciplines that, that we have. But I think I think the most important thing on making this collaboration work is the strength of the relationship between Gareth and, and I. I think any good collaboration really depends on that, depends on a lot of trust, um, a lot of honesty, you know, ability to say, Gareth, like, this needs to go in your textbook that you want to write about environmental <laughs> approaches, market approaches to managing environments, not in our book about climate finance. Like, literally thousands and thousands of words on, <laughs> on how to price externalities. Um, uh, but Gareth has been really, really, obviously really, really strong um, on that. And, and, and him equally saying, like, how you've talked about... Um, unconventional central banking here is wrong. Sophie, you don't understand it. <laughs> Which, so, you know, both of us have, have come away from that um, really, like, without without any problems. And I think that if you don't have that strength and trust, um, generosity, that you can't write this kind of book together. Um, yeah, and lots of footy chatter. Lots of footy chatter also. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's, um, you know, collaborations uh, work in the sense that you can catch each other's mistakes but um you also raise each other's game and you will often uh, you're able to take on more when you uh, you work in collaboration so it's it's great that it 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 worked out that way uh, uh maybe we can wrap up the discussion um with each of you saying something about what you hope your the book will achieve as it goes out into the world um yeah, what kind of new conversations might it start? What sort of impact might it, might it have? It's always a uh, an anxious time when you're launching a book into the world. You don't really know how it will be received, but um, maybe you could give us a sense about what your uh, hopes are about the book's impact and um, who might read it and what effects it might have. Yeah, so maybe I'll start um, with that because one of the things we haven't talked about, which... I think is important for what the book. So Gareth kind of mentioned that we hope that this book is a kind of map to the kind of constantly evolving terrain of, of climate finance across both the core of capitalist finance as well as kind of out into its capillaries and commodity chains and whatever. Um, so, so this kind of expansive 
um, world, very quickly evolving um, world with obviously like incredibly important um, impact on the kinds of climate futures we might have. But we we also want to, with, our, with this idea of these six positions and, and the claim that climate finance is this um, indicator and mediator um, of the kind of balance of political economic ideas and forces in response to climate change, one of the main things that we're wanting to do with those six positions is open up their politics for more explicit engagement. So we think that each of these six positions invites different kinds of political contestations and offers different opportunities for that. And so we really didn't want to have like five chapters about all the bad things in climate finance and one good one at the end. We really designed this so that each of these strategies identify political possibilities, more democratic possibilities, more um, different ways that these solutions or these these framed solutions to climate change, these financial solutions to climate change might offer fairer, more, more ambitious um, climate futures. So for instance, in the so rather than kind of dismissing these, we're, we're opening up to see how we might engage with them a little bit more explicitly. And as I said, these positions invite different kinds of, um, different kinds of engagement. So, for instance, in our chapter on, um, on climate risk, we talk about how the divestment movement has engaged in what we call risky politics. And so this is a political engagement in direct response to that kind of position on of climate finance. So the financial industry, when it engages with climate risks, also allows people to produce climate risks, which makes their financial decisions more or less risky and can be kind of leveraged in particular directions. Another example of this is um, in our final chapter, we talk about climate debt. Um, and this, we're, we're kind of exploring how the con- current um, relationship between c- climate and debt, so where um there's kind of growing what the IMF would call unsustainable um, debt burdens in, in vulnerable countries in the global south. So this, this kind of sovereign debt crisis, which is in part caused by climate change, the costs of climate change, particularly climate disasters. Um, so this, this kind of debt situation also opens up a window for t- trying to talk about, well, who, who actually holds climate debt? Um, could we like, do we need to actually invert, invert the debtor-creditor relation um, to think about whether actually rich countries um, owe their owe a climate debt to um, to poor countries for, or or to to vulnerable countries? So we think that each of these different um, configurations of climate finance um, offer different kinds of political engagements, and I think that's one of the things that is in terms of how this book goes out into the world. We yeah, that I think that's something that I really hope people um, engage with. Yeah, Sophie's just um, yeah articulated the political project really, uh, really, really well. Um, in in the book, we sort of we contrast the kind of political approach we want to take against what we see as kind of common ways of uh, getting at climate finance politically, which is um, on the one hand to uh, argue that it's all kind of an exercise in greenwashing um, or on the other hand argue that you know it's ultimately capitalism and capitalism um, is uh, you know the key problem and and you know both of those things are undoubtedly true um, there's a, a lot of greenwashing that goes on in this space um, 
and uh, you know we are sympathetic to the critique of the inherent limitations of of green capitalism, but we want to um, understand climate finance uh, and um, the the state of climate finance as a reflection of climate politics and look at um, this as a question of power and also therefore to understand the strategies that um, are possible within the different positions that we outline, not to say that anything is possible. Like we, we want to, you know, to take that climate risk example that Sophie was just talking about. We want to understand, you know, to what extent risk putting uh, fossil fuels at risk can, as, a, as an explicit political strategy, can uh, make change, um, but also understand that climate change is much more than just a financial risk and there's some sorts of climate actions that are actually not going to be possible either through a climate risk framing. And so we want to sort of clarify um, that politics while um, grounding those political possibilities, both in kind of engagements with the existing terrain of climate finance, which we think is valuable, as well as more kind of utopian um, types of politics, which, you know, to, to sort of um, butcher like a phrase, you know, like, say that another position is possible um, on climate finance. Um, uh, one more point just to make uh, is that I do hope that it, the book gets picked up in in teaching. I think that we we very much had a kind of classroom audience in mind when we were writing this book. Um, and my hope is that it doesn't just get picked up in um, political economy and geography and related disciplines but might even um, make its way into kind of more um, sustainability environmental studies kind of um, interdisciplinary kind of um, class you know classes which are you know increasingly being being taught um, and training people that will uh, go into a lot of these debates and actually participate in these debates um, so I, I'd like to I'd, I'd, I'd like to see the book, um, yeah, get into those spaces as well. Well, thanks very much. It's been uh, great to talk to you about the uh, the book today, and um, I understand it'll be out towards the end of the calendar year or early next year at the latest. So um, uh, all the best with it, and uh, I look to look forward to seeing it in uh, all good bookshops. Thank you.